The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents a 25th Silver Anniversary College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, here's your host, Phil Houck. Notre Dame escaped last week with another nail-biter to go to 2-0. Purdue is also 2-0, but they have won their games by a combined score of 79-21. Two undefeated teams, two very different paths to get there. The Irish and the Boilermakers battle this week for the Shillelagh Trophy for the 87th time in a series that has been on hiatus since 2014. It's a matchup that has a history of great players, great coaches, and great games. Things started off in 1896 with a 28-22 Purdue win. But soon after, under Rockne, with George Gipp and then the Four Horsemen at his direction, the Irish dominated. In 1950, Purdue ended Notre Dame's 39-game unbeaten streak. That upset loss may have been the beginning of the end for workaholic Frank Leahy. In 1964, future NFL Hall of Famer Alan Page blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown, and Era Parsegian had his first ever home win. In 1965, another Hall of Famer, Bob Greasy, completed 19-22 as the sixth-ranked Boilers, coached by Jack Mollenkopf, upset the number one-ranked Irish. In 1966, the combo of Hanratty and Seymour debuted, and the Irish pulled off the victory. Endy went on to win the national championship that year, while Leroy Keyes and the Boilers went on to defeat USC in the Rose Bowl. From 1967 to 1970, Mike Phipps led Purdue to three straight wins, and the 68 game featured number one versus number two. 1971 saw the Irish escape in a rainstorm, 8-7 when Pat Steenberge hit Mike Creaney for a two-point conversion on a pass that is known in Fighting Irish lore as the genuflect play. In 1974, four-touchdown underdog Purdue ended Irish hopes of repeating as national champs. In 1977, Mark Herman staked Purdue to a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, but then Joe Montana entered the game and legend was born. Lou Holtz never lost to the Boilers, but that tide turned in 1997 when one-year wonder Billy Dickin guided Purdue to victory, and the Joe Tiller era had begun. I remember that game well. That was the year Fighting Irish Preview was born. In 1999, Drew Brees passed the Boilers to a five-point lead, and then the Irish were stopped one yard from victory on the game's last play. And in 2012 and 2013, the Irish were big favorites, but struggled in each of those games to win in nail-biting fashion. The most recent matchup was in 2014. The game was played as part of the Shamrock Series at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Everett Golson ran one in from 15 yards out and hit William Fuller and Corey Robinson for TDs, and the number 11-ranked Irish prevailed 30-14. Great players, great coaches, and great games. This week, the series renews, and Purdue has the look of a team on the rise. And the Irish, on the other hand, have the look of a team searching for answers. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling, Raise the bar with only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. This is Fighting Irish Preview. 
The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Shearer McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Shearer McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Shearer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Shearer McCulloch. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Hi, this is Len Clark of Irish Illustrated and Dublin City FM. Congratulations to my friends Phil and Tim on 25 years of bringing Fighting Irish Preview to the Fort Wayne community. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, you got to admit, the first two weeks of covering Notre Dame football this year have been anything but dull. Lots of storylines. So I thought for a change of pace this week, we'll play off the top of the show, Fighting Irish Preview Lotto. Here is a list of four stories. They're all great stories. Pick one that you want to talk about most. One, Notre Dame on their third left tackle. Offensive line woes continue. Two, great defense through two games, except for four plays. Three, Jack Cohn winning touchdown pass one minute after dislocating his finger. And that's a story for Fighting Irish history. And four, Tyler Buckner plays and makes the quarterback situation really interesting. And Notre Dame's had two quarterbacks under Brian Kelly before. So, what's your choice? Well, I've had my fill of offensive line talk and four plays on defense. So, I'm actually I'm going to take the other two, fill and kind of combine them because as we look at it right now, that's Notre Dame's quarterback situation. Until they can find some uh, solutions along the offensive line, I think you need to play both of them. Uh I'm getting a lot of uh, chatter from Irish Illustrated subscribers that, uh, you know, they wonder how close Buckner is to becoming the full-time quarterback. I think that that's premature because Jack Cohn's doing some really good things despite uh, 
despite that dislocated finger on Saturday against Toledo, he threw the game-winning touchdown pass, and Butner obviously gave the offense a spark by basically widening the field and opening some things up, not only for Butner himself, but for Kyron Williams as well. So uh, I thought Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly handled the dual quarterback uh, situation well last week. I don't know that it will always function that smoothly, but until they get the offensive line issues solved, which could go on for a while, I, I think you need to. You go in with you go in with Jack Cohn as a starter, and if things transpire fine, then you can keep him at quarterback. But if you're in a bind, uh, Buckner obviously is the guy that can spark the running game. Well, last week we saw a little bit of everything. It wasn't just series to series, but I think we saw substitution of quarterbacks within series. Do we expect to see that again? You know, I'm not sure that Brian Kelly could answer that per se. I think you have to kind of see how the game is unfolding. I would imagine it's possible. Certainly, uh, you know, if you get in a long yardage situation, Right now, Jack Cohn is best suited to do that. And if you get in a short yardage situation, you know, you probably want Butner in there to give you some options. So I would imagine that's still possible, Phil. You know, I thought of three situations in Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame history, where he's employed two quarterbacks. The Music City Bowl in 2015, that was uh, Golson and Zaire. But the one that didn't work out so well was the next year, Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser. And then 2012, Tommy Reese and Everett Golson. Now, that Music City Bowl was one where they were re- rotating every play. So Kelly has some history with this. But generally, it really comes down to, I think, the personalities of the quarterbacks and how well they can work together uh, because that can be difficult for a lot of teams to be rotating your leader like that. Tim, Brian Kelly talked post game last week. And then he expanded on it on Monday. He says that the Irish need to simplify things. What does that mean? And how can this team's problems have simple solutions? Anytime that you're having major breakdowns, especially we're we're talking about defensively, the four big plays that have accounted for four out of 137 plays have accounted for 35% of the opponent's offense. And so, you know, in, theoretically, in, in order to avoid those those busts uh, defensively, you simplify things. I'm not sure it's quite as simple as that, so to speak, uh, because a, a, a lot of it is, you know, we, we've seen some tackling issues, uh, one-on-one coverage that, that didn't work out with the safety against Florida State. So, yeah, I, I don't know that you can simplify a whole lot offensively because Tommy Reese is digging deep into the playbook but out of necessity in order to have a productive passing game and running game defensively, I, you know, I mean, I I think that the players will tell you that it has been simplified from, from Clark Lee to Marcus Freeman defensively. So I don't know. I heard the explanation. I asked the question. I'm not sure. I still, uh, I'm not sure that I see exactly where they can simplify to make them better, but I, I get, I understand what he's talking about defensively because you don't want to have major breakdowns that uh, allow 60, 70, 80, 90 yard plays against you. Well, is one of the solutions just to play some more guys because there have been breakdowns, uh, particularly in, in giving up a lot of points that have occurred in both games in the fourth quarter. Are guys getting tired? Does J.D. Bertrand need to see fewer snaps, for example? Again, theoretically, you would like to be able to do that. And I'll give you an example. Riley Mills, who we all think is going to be an outstanding defensive tackle. Well, on the 67-yard run, he didn't get off a block. He didn't fill the hole. The two linebackers were blocked. 
Meanwhile, the the other defensive tackle, Jason Abnell, is playing really, really quality football. So you you want to be able to do that. You want to play extra guys. It worked really well last year. I don't necessarily buy that along the offensive line. And I think that he's mentioned that. I think when you're productive, you don't worry about that. But sure, you want you want to get more linebackers in the game. They want to get Prince Collie in the game, although he won't quite be available to them yet. Uh, that's a lot of plays for J.D. Bertrand. He didn't look like he was slowing down to me uh, the last two games, leading leading both teams, uh, Florida State and Notre Dame, and Toledo and Notre Dame in tackles. So um, you'd like to do that, but you also have to be able to play sound football with your backup. Well, it's important to play a lot of guys just to give them experience, but uh, you can't do that at the expense of uh, diminishing the play on the field. One guy who's determined to fix the defensive problems, obviously, Kurt Heinisch. You saw him in his meeting with the media this week. Uh, describe that appearance a bit, and I'll, I'll give you a few of the quotes that you're well aware of. He said he was disgusted with himself Saturday and Sunday because he let the performance by the Irish go on. And he also said that uh, the performance by the Irish embarrassed him. Kurt Heinisch is seems to be a very determined young man, and he's a lot of fun at press conferences. Talk about Kurt Heinisch and how he may have been involved in maybe a little attitude adjustment for the Irish this week. First of all, we're all going to miss Kurt Heinisch. Now his brother Donovan is coming in next year, so I don't know. I don't know his personality. If it's anything like Kurt's, it will keep us entertained for a few more years. But you know, I mean, that's how that's how Kurt Heinisch is. He is a Type A personality. He's not going to put up with any nonsense now that he's definitely in a leadership role as one of seven captains he takes it upon himself to to try to correct some things he also talked phil in in the story that you saw in irish illustrated about how you know clark lee taught him that hey you know you, you can't always force the issue with the guy sometimes you need to handle him a little bit differently from one player to the next but i i've got to be honest i came out of that interview with Kurt Heinisch feeling like Notre Dame is going to play uh, some really sound defense and some sound football this weekend. And and uh, a lot of it I would attribute to the leadership that Kurt Heinisch and some of those older guys uh, provide for this football team. Yeah, I was fired up after his interview myself, and there's no doubt that Heinisch if he has any say at all about it, will play better and that should impact the rest of the team. We do need to point out that there have been some very uh, significant positives for this defense this year. They're getting sacks. They're being very disruptive. Uh, hurries, tackles for losses are, are, are much higher than they have been in recent years. But it's those four plays in excess of 60 yards that they've given up that really have changed everything, have resulted in two nail biters. Okay, we got to talk about the offensive line problems. They've given up 10 sacks in two weeks, and their Irish are averaging only 2.7 yards per rush. Week one, it was Blake Fisher that went down. Uh, last week, Michael Carmondy. Uh, suddenly, it was Tosh Baker protecting the blind side uh, with kind of mixed reviews. What is the situation at tackle now? What about the rest of the line? And what can Tommy Reese do to to call plays that that deal with the offensive line play? I would think that Carmody goes into this game as questionable. Um, and so that means Tosh Baker probably stays a tackle unless they've done something radical and, and move Josh Lug from the right side to the left side just because he's experienced, although I don't know that Lug has necessarily played very well. I think we're going to see – I think we were all kind of thinking that when Brian Kelly hinted that they needed to play 
you know, a more offensive lineman that would be Rocco Spindler that would come in and spell Kane Madden. But uh, on on Thursday, uh, Brian Kelly mentioned Andrew Kristoffic, which I, I mean, I kind of liked hearing that because he's an older player and you hope that your older players are the ones that step forward. They're, they've been in the program. They understand things better. They're bigger and stronger because of it. Uh, so I, you know, I think we'll see Andrew Kristoffic spell Kane Madden a little bit, but I don't know that the left tackle position is is in a really good spot. You don't have Blake Fisher until uh, after the the bye week, which is a long time from now. Michael Carmody, we saw in a boot on Tuesday. Not exactly sure how much action he got uh, in on the practice field on Wednesday and Thursday. So you know, no solutions, and I, and frankly, I don't expect a whole bunch of solutions or at least not rapid solutions as we move forward. I think this is going to be a work in progress. And then it's up to Tommy Reese, who I thought really called a great game against Toledo. He was pressing every button that was available to him and found a way, think about, you know, the struggles and found a way to score four touchdowns and gain 449 yards against a, a, a really good, I think a, a really good Toledo defensive front. Yeah, I think the play calling has been outstanding from uh, Tommy Reese under difficult circumstances, and uh, it's going to be difficult this week as we'll talk more in the second segment with George Carr Loftus, possibly the best pass rusher in the country, as Brian Kelly has said. Tim, a media question just between you and me. This has been a very interesting team this year with all the crazy storylines. I think this has been really fun to cover this team. What are your thoughts? No, I feel exactly the same way. I said that uh, somewhere along the line here in the last week that this is what, I mean, this is the kind of thing that that we as members of the media enjoy. It's there's a there's there are issues, the issues need to be solved. You consider what some of the avenues are to solve those. You ask the coaching staff about it, get their uh, feedback, and then you have a game on Saturday, and you have another um, you know set of criteria to evaluate. So, I mean, from a from a Football evaluation standpoint, uh, I think it's a lot of fun from the emotional stability of Notre Dame fans across the country. Not nearly as fun. Yeah, it's 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 nerve wracking because I still have that fan inside of me. But after 25 years of covering Notre Dame football, you do kind of look at it differently. Tim, 15,000 fans under capacity. I know this is one of your favorite subjects and Brian Kelly's favorite subject, I might add. 15,000 fans under capacity last week for a home opener. That was really surprising. What do you think? And nonetheless, though, comment on the fact that I thought the crowd really responded and helped the team down the stretch. Yeah, I, I thought the student body was as good as it's been outside of, you know, a game against number one Clemson, which and there were there were quite a few um, less fans that day and students. But, you know, I feel I think it's a combination of things. I, I, I still think, you know, I still think it's it's covid related. Uh, it, it, it's certainly a, a cost, it's cost related. It's expensive to go to a Notre Dame football game. And it's really expensive if you're traveling from out of town, uh, and then you have to pay for lodging and, and food and, and all of those things. So I think it's a combination of things. Um, again, I don't know that there's an easy solution here. I'm not sure that we will have the same kind of problem this weekend with Purdue because I think Purdue fans will, will travel, uh, make the short route to Notre Dame to be there. 
Uh, I don't know. I think we need to see it, how it unfolds, Phil. There's a whole bunch of uh, home games to be played this year. I find it hard to believe that it's going to be as thin of a crowd. Uh, that's another factor. They were playing Toledo. We know Toledo's a decent team, but most fans aren't going to consider that a, a really good matchup. So I think it's a combination of things. Let's see it how, how it all unfolds. I'm not sure that the, the first game answers all of our questions about it. And again, at, on that bowl at the end of the game, it really seemed like a capacity crowd because that crowd was loud and give the student body an assist. Uh, Toledo had 11 penalties, a lot of them communication-oriented. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 357th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Notre Dame has won 25 consecutive home games. It is the second longest active streak in the FBS. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. Purdue takes on the Irish at ND this week. TV coverage on good old NBC starts at 2.30 p.m. South Bend time, and it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons. We share your boating passion. And this year, in honor of 25 years on the air, we are focusing on the great running backs of the Fighting Irish preview years, the last quarter century. First up, a couple weeks ago, was the great Autry Denson. Today, another electrifying running back. This one, a native of Big Stone Gap, Virginia. Julius Jones came from a family of seven, and his father was a corrections officer who insisted that his children read the front page of his newspaper each day before they could look at the sports section. Jones's mother worked the graveyard shift for 20 years in the coal mines. In high school, Julius was an all-sports star, but with him on the football field, his team won 28 straight games and two state titles, and he ran for 5,803 yards and 86 touchdowns. Bob Davey recruited the 5'10", 205-pound runner to South Bend in 1999, and he started showing big play capabilities right away. In his freshman season against Boston College, he had an electrifying 67-yard punt return touchdown. He continued that trend as a sophomore, with a 100-yard kickoff return, touchdown against Nebraska. Jones went on to lead the Irish in rushing that year, a feat he repeated as a junior in 2001. Jones saved the best for his senior year when he totaled 1,321 yards from scrimmage, scored 10 touchdowns, 
and had three 200-yard games. Against Pittsburgh that year, he set the all-time single-game school record with 264 yards rushing on 24 carries. Ironically, Jones didn't even start the game. The starter, Ryan Grant, had 26 carries himself that day. Tim, Julius Jones was one of those guys who was like a ticking time bomb. You never knew when he was going to go off. I really loved his game. I liked him personally. Big Stone Gap, Virginia. I always thought was a cool name, too. Agreed. You know, I remember the first time I saw him, he said 86 touchdowns. I thought I had seen all of his high school touchdowns. But I remember getting a VHS tape, and it had 50 of his top touchdowns. And when you're done watching Julius Jones run for 50 touchdowns in high school, uh, you come away pretty impressed. But, it, you know, it took a while for him to put it all together. But as you mentioned, that senior year when he rushed for 1,321 yards and 10 touchdowns with the three 200-yard games, I thought he was absolutely spectacular that year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And after that senior year, he was named the team MVP. And then in the NFL draft, he was the top draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys in the 2004 draft and went on to a solid seven-year NFL career that included 1,000-yard efforts in 2005 and 2006. Julius Jones, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero, the Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. Jeff Brome is in his fifth year leading a Boilermaker squad that was 2-4 and four a year ago, but now stand at 2-0 and oh this year after notching victories over Oregon State 30-21 and last week over Connecticut 49-0. 6'5", 215-pound junior Jack Plummer took over at quarterback for the Boilers at midseason a year ago and has been superb through two games this season. Plummer is completing his passes at a 73.8% clip, good for six touchdowns with zero interceptions. Catching a lot of those passes has been preseason All-American David Bell. Last week, Bell caught three touchdown passes, and he has already totaled 14 catches and 255 yards. Bell is the real deal. He was over 1,000 yards as a freshman, and in last year's six-game season, he averaged over 100 yards per game and had eight touchdown catches. And tight end Payne Durham is also a threat. He has caught 11 balls this season and scored three touchdowns through two games. The boiler running attack has not been particularly productive in recent years, and it took a hit last week when their first option, Alexander Horvath, a young man from our high school alma mater, Mr. Priester, went out with a broken leg. Picking up the slack was junior King DeRue, who totaled 74 yards and a touchdown on 12 attempts. The boiler offensive line is young and has given up three sacks. Defensively, the boilers have struggled under Jeff Brome, but look out for defensive end George Korloftis. Brian Kelly said this week he may be the best pass rusher in college football, and considering the struggles the Irish are having at the tackle position, Karloftis will have to be accounted for on every play. To complement Karloftis, the Boilers have gone the transfer route, and they have added four SEC transfers to that side of the ball, an end, a tackle, and two defensive backs. The week one win over Oregon State was a solid indicator of improvement by Purdue. Last week's shutout against Connecticut is a bit harder to gauge as the Huskies are a program in disarray. The Irish front seven should have some opportunities to get the plumber against the boiler offensive line, but Plummer and David Bell are capable of hooking up for the kind of big plays that have caused Indy's first two games to go down to the wire. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? 
Phil, you zeroed in on the area that I wanted to point out. I think the area where Notre Dame holds a distinct advantage is their defensive front against Purdue's offensive line. You mentioned the youth of it. You know, here's the thing. I mean, Jack Plummer is going to throw 50 times because they're going to have difficulty running the football without Horvath. So he's going to throw 50 times, which is going to give Notre Dame's pass rush a bunch of opportunities. He's resourceful and he's elusive, uh, but I think it comes down to Notre Dame winning the line of scrimmage uh, when they're on the defensive side of the ball. Win the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball, and that's going to mean pressure on Jack Plummer. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, I'm going to tie it into that, Phil. I, I think Isaiah Foskey has a big game uh, here. I think they turn him loose. Jordan Botello is back, and I don't know exactly how productive he'll be, but when he is on the field, he can add some disruptiveness, and I'm predicting that he's on the field a few times with Isaiah Foskey, and Foskey has a big game off the edge. Uh, we'll take Isaiah Foskey, and that is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 21 Indiana locations. Tim, where do the Irish stand health-wise this week? And any chance uh, that Michael Carmody gets back in action? We talked about that a little bit in the first section. Well, uh, first of all, let's give a quick rundown of the guys that we mentioned last week. Kevin Ballman, tight end, uh, offensive tackle, Blake Fisher out on the defensive side. Maris Leofel, linebacker, Paul Mwala, linebacker, Shane Simon, linebacker, all out. Prince Colley is still out with COVID. Seabull Flemister is out for unspecified reasons. Injury-wise, Michael Carmody could play. you know, again, I saw him early in the week, and he didn't look like he was going to be ready within four days to be playing. So we'll see. Otherwise, it's Tosh Baker. And interestingly enough, uh, two significant finger injuries, one on offense, one on defense. I really shouldn't say significant. Both Jack Cohn and Kyle Hamilton dislocated fingers and should be ready to go this weekend. Okay, thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by PolyPro. Beautiful lifetime warranty garage floors in one day. Check them out at polyprofloors.com. My wife and I love our PolyPro floor. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by seven. What does America's foremost authority say? Well, Phil, you and I go back far enough to, to know that you never assume anything against Purdue, and Purdue hasn't played Notre Dame and in seven years. Interestingly enough, the last time Purdue was in Notre Dame Stadium, Tommy Reese was the quarterback and he completed a couple clutch third down passes to get them in field goal range for a 20 to 17 victory. But, you know, again, getting back, I think Notre Dame's defensive line has a good day against Purdue's offensive front, but Jack Plummer is going to throw it a bunch. I predict David Bell and Payne Durham combined for 20 catches and probably get in the end zone a couple times. I think ultimately Notre Dame's passing game uh, can have enough success. Running game, who knows? But I think Notre Dame is going to put some points on the board and come away with a 34-23 to victory over Purdue this weekend. 34-23 to in favor of the Irish. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. Tim, we half agree. <laughs> I think the Irish may struggle against a good passing offense. But they will bring pressure and only give up one big play this week instead of two, and that's going to be progress. 
and that should be enough so that the Irish can outscore the Boilers. I'll take Notre Dame also with 34. Purdue's going to score 31. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovel and Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions.